Hey readers, welcome to the Brantford Public Library's Juicebox Book Talks. I'm Leanna. And I'm Laura. We are two Library 11 techs working in the Child and Youth Programming Department with a passion for children's literature. And this is the place to discover new and exciting book recommendations for kids. In each episode, we discuss a book we've read together as a buddy read, and then we choose a variety of titles for different ages based upon theme. We will explore books, spoiler free, available at the library in print and digital form, which include picture books, junior fiction, and graphic novels. So find your favorite book nook, get comfy, and let's get started. Welcome to Juicebox Book Talks. So this is our first episode of 2021, Laura. We did it. How did, I can't even believe we made it here. How did, how did that even happen? <laughs> it was a year and now it's a new year. Full of yes. hope. We hope. We hope. We hope. We hope. We hope. Okay. We hope. Right. So as any new year begins, we'd like to reflect on the past year. So we thought it would be a good idea to highlight some of our favorite reads of 2020. And there were so many great books that came out in 2020. That's for sure. That's so, I mean, they're definitely silver linings for the year of 2020, and this is definitely one of them, the amazing books that came out last year, so. That's the one thing we could count on this year, definitely, was reading, and I'm so thankful for all of our writers and illustrators and everyone that made it possible, because that really helped get through this crazy year. So we decided to do our buddy read on a book that I actually talked about in the summer um, for one of the library's book talks. And that was Janae Marks from the desk of Zoe Washington. So Laura, what did you think? You know, it's funny. I didn't know anything about the book at all. I'm not going to lie. I didn't read any of the descriptions. I've read nothing about it. All I've read is that it was such a great book. You should read it. So literally I knew nothing going into the book and I was like pleasantly surprised and like, Oh, Oh, okay. So yeah, I loved it. It was great. And on, when, when it was over, I was like, it's over already like it just it just flew middle, middle grade does that to you don't you find even the ones with like really heavy topics and like an amazing message it, it ends and you're like no but I, I need more than 200 pages or 250 pages give me more please um so for our listeners who don't know anything about this book this is a contemporary middle grade um recommended to kids eight nine to twelve ish so our main character zoe washington And she has a big secret. For her 12th birthday, she receives a surprise letter in the mail from her estranged father, Marcus. Zoe has never met her biological father because he has been serving time in jail for an unspeakable crime. However, Zoe decides to reply to Marcus, which sparks further correspondence without telling her mother and stepfather. Through letters and phone calls facilitated by her grandmother, Zoe learns a lot about Marcus, like his love of cooking and his musical tastes, but most importantly, the fact that he claims to not have committed the crime for which he was convicted. Zoe wants to prove her father's innocence, so she embarks on a journey with her best friend Trevor that will forever change the course of many people's lives. Yeah, it was, I like, I don't know, I didn't expect what I I don't, I was just pleasantly surprised to know that I'm like, oh, this is like, this definitely is a book that has lots of depth to it. And I wasn't sure. I mean, mm-hmm. I looked at the cover and I thought, oh, it's a cute cover. And, and then when I started reading, I was like, ah, okay, this is, this this is and it gets you like, it's you're, you're sucked in and, and for, and for good. Like it was amazing. So 
Mm -hmm. It is an amazing read. I can't believe I had to look up the publishing date. It actually came out January 14th. Right. It was like, this one has stuck with me this, like through this entire, and I mean, but it was also, you know, it was released in January and then we just had all the events that occurred throughout the year. And it was just such a timely read that I, I I couldn't, there wasn't anyone I knew that I wouldn't recommend it to. Mm -hmm. I thought it was just, it's such a beautiful read. And it was so fitting for the year too. It was funny. I mean, there was the Black Lives Matters that came out and then the cooking. I'm like, yeah, people are doing lots of cooking this year for sure. And the baking. Yeah. I mean, and it came out before all the pandemic and everything that had happened in 2020 happened really. So yeah. And I, I love that it was, it was letter writing, like good old fashioned, get your stationery and write a letter, stamp it and put it in the mailbox and off it goes. I mean, I just, I loved that. So I missed that. The art of the letter writing. It was just, yeah. What about the connection through music? I knew you would like that. Yeah, <laughs> you has a playlist for her and the Stevie Wonder and all the amazing music. Every time I was going through, I was like, Laura's going to love this. She's going to love this too. I know it was great. I mean, and I was like, oh my gosh, boys to men, river runs dry. I forgot about that song in the nineties. Like I'm getting chills just thinking about it. It's just, oh, it's good. Cool. Yeah. It's so well done. Yeah. I, I loved her. Um, the one thing that really stuck out for me that I I'm finding a lot with a lot of these books that we're reading are the intergenerational relationships. And I mean, it's obvious with Zoe because her grandmother plays an important role in connecting her with her biological, biological father. And I feel as though her actions are, they're questionable because she's doing something in secret because they don't, Mm. she doesn't let her mom know. Right. love that connection with her grandmother. We saw it a lot in Jerry Craft's new kid with his grandfather. Yeah. And the first book I talk about, it's prevalent in that too. And I just, I feel like we can do an, an entire episode on these relationships and how, like, I feel like we missed that intergenerational connection for a long time. And now it seems to be a really big theme now. Yeah, it was great. I loved it. I loved her friendship. Trevor it was just so yeah I just I love the book it was great oh they went to the library all the time I love the reference that her friend was getting the book Ghost by Jason Reynolds I was like one of my favorites this is awesome so yeah like it just it, it wasn't what I expected and yet I was pleasantly surprised in the end and it was a fantastic book that I would recommend to like to anybody really adult and kids I think for adult readers from the desk of Zoe Washington is an excellent middle grade reader to pair with something like the new Jim Crow or just mm-hmm. because it discusses, of course, systemic racism in the justice right. system. And it, but in a way that's not overwhelming, yeah. um, we're not going to give an eight year old Ibram X. Kenny no. book. Adults, please read it, but we're not going to give it to a kid, but this one is something you can hand over and they can start understanding the justice system for that reason, it is a great resource to start these conversations around social justice. It raises good questions from students and allows them to actually question and ask critical, these, these critical questions about inequality. Um, it does tackle tough issues like racism, but it also explores lighter themes, like you mentioned, like her friendship yeah. with Trevor, following your own path, and of course, forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And it also helps. I've Actually, I followed Janae 
on my, my own personal bookstagram. And it's always nice to see, you know, what the authors have to say and what they're doing. And she seems, she seems really sweet and I can't wait for her to come out with another yeah. book. So I feel like our buddy read um, from the uh, desk of Zoe Washington is a great um, segue into my first book. Again, this is a book that was released January 7th. I feel like I read it a week ago. Like I did read it at the beginning of the year and I reread it throughout the summer and it's just so fresh in my mind. And that's Nick Stone's Clean Getaway. Have you read anything by Nick Stone, Laura? I have not. I was part of a webinar that she was in and like, I, that's definitely on my list, my TBR for sure. So yeah. Yeah. She's, she's pretty amazing. I'm familiar with her YA Nick Stone is well known for her YA books, Dear Martin and the Dear Justice, um, which just came out. And that's for our teen readers. Um, but she came out earlier this year with a book for middle grade called Clean Getaway. So this book is set against the backdrop of the segregation history of the American South. The story follows 11-year-old William Scoob Lamar and his unconventional white grandmother referred to as Jima on an impromptu road trip in her new Winnebago. At first, Scoob is thrilled with this adventure, having recently been grounded for getting into trouble at school, so he's happy to escape his disappointed father. The duo's journey takes them through Texas, Mexico, Mississippi, and Alabama. But why are they going to these places, and why is it important for Gma to embark on a trip with Scoob now is unknown. The entire trip is filled with unexpected twists and shocking surprises. Gma gives Scoob a copy of a book called The Green Book during their travels. The Green Book was used as a guide for Black people in the United States seeking safe accommodations while traveling. Jima slowly explains her history and how she and Scoob's grandpa used to use this book while they traveled together in the 1960s. This opens up a conversation with Scoob about race relations and what it was like being in an interracial relationship. I loved how Nick seamlessly seems historical context into this contemporary plot beautifully. It's a great book. I would pair it with From the Desk of Zoe Washington because it tackles a lot of the same themes. It introduces young readers into the civil rights era because it balances family dynamics. Again, through those intergenerational relationships that we talked about before. Um, Scoob is a great character. Like he's just a great kid that you'd want your own kids to be friends with. He's just He's inquisitive and sweet. And even though he's getting into some trouble, he learns a lot. And it's just, it's a great road trip adventure. Yeah, and I really loved it. I would recommend it to fans of Jason Reynolds as well. And that's Nick Stone's Clean Getaway. My first book I'm going to talk to you guys about is my emergent pick. Actually, I have two emergent picks this month. But this one um, is called The Fabled Stables, Will of the Wisps. Uh, it's a brand new series by Jonathan Oxier, who Leanna loves. Uh, this is his first early chapter book for beginner readers, and it's wonderful. It's illustrated by Olga Demidova. Each page is a full color illustration. Uh, it's great for emergent readers, great to read together, great to do as a read aloud. So Augie is a boy with a very important job. He's the keeper of the fabled stables where mythical creatures live. One morning, the creatures are out and about of the stables, and Augie is given a break. Suddenly, a loud boom happens and shakes up the stables, and there is a new stall that has magically appeared in the stables, a new arrival. However, where is the new arrival? The stable is empty, and the adventure begins. It all goes from there. It's fantastic. So it's a chapter book with short chapters, um, perfect for emergent readers, like I said. It's great. Like, 
when I started reading it, I read it with my daughter and we, I said, we'll just do one chapter. And then she's like, no, we're going to do another one. And then I said, okay, that's it. No, mommy, do that all. And we literally, we finished the whole book. Like we just read it all in one sitting. So, I mean, it was different. I was reading it to her, but, um, and she's eight. This is definitely good for your, uh, like it's perfect for like a grade two, three. Um, and depending on their comfort level with their reading, it was a fantastic book. The illustrations are magical. You'll totally be drawn into this fabled stables. There is another book that's coming out, I believe early this year. I can't remember what month exactly. So it, I'm sure it'll be just as magical as this one. It was fantastic. The fabled stables, Willa the Wisp by Jonathan Oxier. So Laura, would you recommend this for younger and a younger ages compared to Peter Nimble and Sweep? Like, do you think it's a younger audience than Sweep? It is most definitely meant for a younger audience. That being said, um, I mean, an older children could definitely read it because it's a quick, easy read for them. And it's fun. It's just a fun book. Um, yeah, like we loved it. And I can't wait for the next book to come out. So it, it was great. I loved it. Fable Stables. It was so good. So yeah. Okay. That sounds awesome. But I will read anything, Jonathan. You will. I know you will. So. Okay, so my next middle grade selection is a book. I feel bad for including this book in our best of 2020 because I read it less than two weeks ago. <laughs> so I feel like it was just public, but it was just published at the end of December. I didn't know anything about it. I was immediately attracted to the cover because cover art is so important in children's mm -hmm. novels. And I thought, oh, this looks interesting. Let's try. And I absolutely fell in love with it. And it is. The Beast and the Bethany by Jack Maggot Phillips. Now, I'm pretty sure this is his debut novel. It is illustrated by Isabel Foloff. She's also the illustrator of the Augie Morton Mystery Queen series. Do you know what that looks like, Ott? I do. It's awesome. It's, yeah. it's like, it's just as good as Winter House kind of appealing right. illustration, illustrations. They're amazing. So here's a setup for The Beast and the Bethany. This is a book about a nasty and selfish old man named Ebenezer Tweezer. <laughs> Let's just reflect on the brilliance of this name. You can picture him. He's an old man named Ebenezer Tweezer. Old as in 511 years old, kind of old. He is unmarried and has no friends or children. In fact, his only acquaintance is a monster who lives in the attic of this grand old house. The reason Ebenezer has been granted life beyond 500 years is directly related to his relationship with the monster. All Ebenezer has to do is give the monster whatever he wants to eat, which has included very rare birds and exotic animals, and it will vomit up anything Ebenezer wishes, like money and magical anti-aging serums. Yes, I said vomit. It adds to the charm. Are you still with me? <laughs> For one day love that right like a middle grade reader will be all over that okay go sorry go hey i'm all right i'm hooked already so one day the monster's meal request includes a deliciously juicy child and ebenezer is faced with a moral dilemma sacrifice a living being or grow naturally old there's some morally gray characters in this book but kids will love it they know. enter Enter Bethany, a prickly and unpleasant orphan who is constantly playing tricks on people and bullying other kids in the orphanage. She epitomizes the naughty child who's always causing trouble and mayhem around her. 
So when Ebenezer randomly meets Bethany, it's like fate answering his morally gray existence because it's totally okay to feed the monster a mean girl like Bethany, right? (laughs) I love this book. I will read anything that Jack Maggot Phillips writes, again, based on my love of this book. It helps that there is a semi, actually, okay, there's a cliffhanger at the end. There's going to be more books. I think it's impossible for authors to write standalones anymore. Everything's a duology or a trilogy, Um, but that's okay. That's totally cool. It does work as a standalone because I think it's just, it was definitely my kind of middle grade read. It perfectly balanced dark humor and charm and the snark. If you're a fan of Roald Dahl or Lemony Snicket, this is definitely a book for you. I like, I thought it was the dark humor. Like I was all over the dark humor and that's just the craziness. Like I thought it was, it was really cute. Um, the illustrations reminded me of Edward Gorey. Um, it was just it was fantastic. It was absolutely fantastic. And that's The Beast and the Bethany by Jack Maggot Phillips. Okay, so my next pick is another emergent reader. Uh, this one is definitely, you'll find it in our easy reader section, and it is an easy reader. Definitely more level, like a beginner level one. Um, if you're looking at like an age range, I would say grade one would really be good for this. Um, if you do like the guided reading or the DRA levels, if your schools do that, um, I would say like a level D and up. So this book is called See the Cat, Three Stories About a Dog. It's by David LaRochelle and illustrated by Mike Wanuka. And it is so great. I read it first with my son. And there's three stories inside, like it says, about a dog. But the humor that is used in this book is so wonderful. The kids will love it. They'll love that they'll be able to read it themselves because it's such simple text, like See the Cat and so on. I'm not a cat, right? And I mean, it's just, it's a page turner. If you read it with them or they read it to you, you'll, you'll read it lots of times. I'm sure if you grab this one, I've read it many times in my house already. So it's fantastic. It's see the cat three stories about a dog by David LaRochelle. And I loved it. I highly recommend it for your, definitely for your beginning reader that you have at home. It's great. So our next middle grade book is a contemporary fiction recommended to kids eight to 12, and it's Alex Gino's Rick. Now this is a standalone companion to Gino's debut novel, George, which I absolutely loved. George came out, I believe five, oh, maybe it's five years ago. I believe it was 2015, it was published. I had recently read it again this past summer, and I just think it's a wonderful book. Personally, I would pick up both of them to read, um, but today I'm just going to start, I'm gonna talk about, um, the companion it's not a sequel you don't need to read George but it all takes place in the George universe so you're going to see a lot of the same characters um in George we follow a trans girl named Melissa who wants to play the female lead in her school play jump two years later and we're back at the same school with some of the same characters now in middle school Rick is our main character and we follow him as he tries to navigate a new school new friendships and new experiences Some of our beloved characters from George pop up in this powerful coming of age story about a boy grappling with his sexuality and living his authentic self. This is a journey of self-discovery that I believe will be incredible for our young kids to read and access up at this time. Ultimately, this is a book about finding friends and finding yourself. Gino's message to middle graders is an important one. 
It's okay to question, always question. Don't try to fit into a narrow label by a certain time or date or age. We are all on our different journeys that will take us to different places. Take your time to question, discover, and be who you need to be at the pace and ensure you understand your place in this world. I think this is such a beautiful book. I read it in just a couple hours. It's short. Um, I believe it's under, it's under 200 pages. Um, oh, 220. So it's a very quick read. Um, I loved it just as much as George. I feel like this is the kind of book our kids need today. Um, whether or not we feel that we specifically need it, there's someone in our life that it will affect, whether it's your own child, your child's best friend, your niece, your nephew, brother, or sister, there's someone who this will resonate with. So I think it's important to educate yourself and read books like this. Um, I just, I thought it was absolutely beautiful. Um, I really loved the relationships that were depicted in the story. Um, Rick's has two loving, wonderful parents. Um, but you see the one thing that really stuck out, um, and I read this like a while ago was his relationship with his father and how his father would always joke about girls and how, mm -hmm. and I mean, you know what, Laura, like we do that too with our own kids to some degree. Um, yeah. I, I remember growing up, you know, you'd be teased about all the, the boys that I had crushes on, or my brother would be teased about the girls he had crushes mm -hmm. on. And we have to change that narrative. Like you can't just assume one way or the other and I even stopped myself talking about this with my daughter because I think oh like we're still at the younger stage but is it too young like should I be already planting that in her brain that oh you're supposed to have crushes on boys right. um and that's what Rick's dad does is he's always teasing him about girls and then his mom who reminded me of me is always chiming in with or boys, or boys, like, honey, it's okay, you can have a crush on boys. And the one thing Rick struggles with is the fact that he's never had a crush on a girl. So does that right. mean gay? But right. he's never really had a crush on a boy. So where is he? And why are people telling him it needs to be one way or the, like, it has to be one extreme to the other, like, yeah. just go at my own pace and figure things out um, and be who I need to be. And I just, um, I think that's so important. Um, the other uh, relationship was with his best friend, um, Jeff, who is just, he's just the stereotypical jerk who does nothing but talk about girls and in a degrading way where Rick is just like, oh, gross. Like, why are you talking that way? And you're, you won't be like a man unless you're like degrading women. And anyways, this is middle grade. It's definitely some heavy topics, but it's done in a beautiful way. I think his Alex Gino's stories really reflect the di diversity and complexity of being alive, which I, I just think is important. Read the George follow-up and that's Alex Gino's Rick. Okay. So I'm going to talk about my picture book selection. Uh, actually, I think I'm just going to do both of them right now. So there were so many amazing picture books that came out in 2020 and it was really, really hard to pick just two. So what I decided to do was cho I chose one that was my most favorite read aloud for the whole year. And then the other is my sentimental favorite of the year. So I will start with my sentimental favorite. 
which is, and I mean, it's on everybody's list for the year 2020 is I am every good thing by Derek Barnes and illustrated beautifully with oil paintings by Gordon C. James. Um, this book, I mean, if you've read uh, Crown and Ode to the Freshest Cut, these are the two authors uh, and illustrators, sorry. Um, it's just a beautiful book. It's a beautiful book that should be read to every child. These are words of inspiration, assurances, positivity, empowerment, and really at the heart of it, just love. And they're words that should be said to every human being, no matter your age, your race, whatever. Uh, it's just, it's a beautiful, beautiful book. Each page is a stunning oil paint illustration that truly captures all that is said on the page. It's a timeless book that I really feel that everyone should read. And it's I Am Every Good Thing by Derek Barnes. And like I said, beautifully illustrated by Gordon C. James. It's amazing. It's on everybody's list because it's so good, like for a reason. It's amazing. Like, how could I not have it on my list? My next one that I'm going to talk about is just a fun book. It's called The Yawns Are Coming, and it is by Christopher Iliopoulos. Um, Christopher Iliopoulos, Iliopoulos is the writer and illustrator of this book. Now, you'll pick up this book, and if you're like my son, you'll pick it up and go, oh, it's Xavier Riddle. Christopher Iliopoulos is the illustrator of the Brad Meltzer series, um, Ordinary People Change the World, which is now a spin-off um, TV show on uh, TVO Kids. You'll see it here in Canada. Xavier Riddle and the Secret Museum, which is a big hit in our house. So my son immediately was like, hey, it's Xavier Riddle. Well, it's not. It's, but it's the same illustrator. So there you go. The Yawns Are Coming. It's about two best friends who are having a sleepover and their mission is to not go to sleep which the yawns will eventually come. It's just a fun, fun book to, for me, it is like, I love to read it out loud. You can have so much fun with it. The illustrations are just delightful to look at, full of big, bright text. Uh, like it's just, it's a great book. Christopher Leopolis, The Yawns Are Coming. 2020 was definitely an epic year for picture books. And my honorable mentions list, if you look at our website is probably too extensive, but those were my two favorites. So there you go. Having two books to choose from isn't a bad thing. I felt the same way about graphic novels this year as mm. you and picture books, because going through my graphic novel list, I started, I had to like eliminate so many because we only have so much time to talk about our books. And I was going through the graphic novels and there was at least 15 that I was like, this was my favorite. Oh, this one's my favorite. No, I can't have to talk about this one. So I've, I have three that I am going to mention and as always check out the podcast notes because we will list um, a lot more if you're looking for more recommendations so my first graphic novel I like to discuss is um, When Stars Are Scattered by Victoria Jameson and Omar Mohammed. Laura have you read this? I haven't. I want to get my hands on it. It looks beautiful. And you know, I've heard so many great things about it. So I'm, I'm gazing at the cover right now and I'm getting chills and I might start crying. So I apologize <laughs> if that happens. It's just, I'm an empath. I, it's just, it's such a beautiful, beautiful book. Um, again, this is recommended to middle grade ages nine to 13. It's fiction. However, it's based on Omar Mohammed's life and it ties social themes like emigration and immigration. So we've got some heavy topics here. Okay, so the, here's the setup. 
The story follows Omar and his younger brother Hassan, who have spent most of their childhood in a refugee camp in Kenya after escaping war-torn Somalia. Their father is dead and their mother is missing. They don't know if she is alive or dead as well. Omar and Victoria's words and pictures perfectly capture what daily life in the refugee camp is like. The mental and physical exhaustion, the boredom and the loneliness both boys experience and their struggle to find adequate food and clothing. When Omar is encouraged to attend school, he is hesitant to commit. The thought of leaving his brother for an entire day, several days a week, breaks his heart. Omar is committed to taking care of his younger brother in the absence of both their mother and their father. Omar decides to attend school, not wanting to miss an opportunity to make things better for him and his brother. He makes new friends, learns English, and starts dreaming about the future. This book is amazing. I mean, I can't really do it justice by like, just read it. It will, I'm just, I'm absolutely in awe with this story. Um, I found myself writing down a lot, like, like we do in a lot of these books is writing down quote. And I add like when Omar starts school at the very, at the end of the very first day of his school, he says, my brain hurt from all the listening and concentrating and new facts shoved inside it. But for some reason, I couldn't stop smiling. And when he starts, when he has to start studying for exams, he he's never been to school before. So this is like a huge deal. When he starts studying for his tests and exams, he says, it might sound weird, but I kind of like studying at the time. It felt good to have something to work toward a goal. And I feel like this is a young boy. I believe he starts in grade five when he goes, starts at school. Um, when he's at the refugee camp and how we take school for granted to some degree. And he is just, he's stressed out about tests, but he's so grateful. And the gratitude he feels for that opportunity is just like, it's just amazing. And I, there's a lot here to unpack and there's a lot I could, we could discuss, which we could just do a whole episode on (laughs) this graphic novel. It's so beautifully done. Um, I, did a little research and I stumbled upon Victoria Jameson's website. So I would recommend if you are looking for more information on this story and on Omar's experience and how he connected with Victoria Jameson, I would um, visit her website, victoriajameson.com. There's lots of additional resources you can check out, including book trailers and educator's guide if you're using it with your children or your students, um, as well as a video. There's um, an interview with Victoria and Omar, which I just, I thought was absolutely beautiful. And I just loved hearing his story um, and his experiences and the fact that he connected with Victoria and she helped bring his story to life in this graphic novel. And I just, again, it's just another testament to the importance of graphic novels and how amazing this medium is because I feel like as we hear a lot in our experiences at the library um, graphic novels are dismissed they're not considered real reading and I'm here to tell you that that is 100% not true and I will give this book and other graphic novels to any reader we can't dismiss it and I would highly recommend when stars are scattered Again, by Victoria Jameson and Omar Mohammed. Love it. So just on the cusp of my graphic novels are very important and don't dismiss them as not reading. <laughs> I have Lauren Tarshish's I Survived the Sinking of the Titanic, 1912. Okay, 
So Lauren Tarshis is well known for her I Survive series. It's awesome. Historical fiction at its very best. Everyone knows the I Survive series. So Lauren Tarshis has created the very first graphic novel adaptation in the series. I Survived the Sinking of the Titanic, 1912. This is a gripping graphic novel adaptation of her best-selling historical fiction children's story of the same name. This is the first graphic novel. Um, However, I looked it up and it looks like there will be other graphic novels adapted, including Shark Attacks, 1916, and The Nazi Invasion, 1944. One that came out this year that I read and loved was the one about the sinking of the Titanic. And this one, we follow our two main characters, their siblings, George and Phoebe, on the historic and terrifying event aboard the Titanic. Now, I'm not going to, I don't think this needs any other setup. I think we've all heard of the Titanic. (laughs) Um, Hope so. Yes. Like this is it was this I really really enjoyed this I love the illustrations I love again the fact that it's been adapted to a medium like graphic novels because it becomes more accessible and you're going to get it into the hands of even more readers who might absolutely who who are more visual thinkers who are more visual learners I think it's brilliant I found reading it like it was really easy to experience this historic event in this novel it was just, it was really well done. I also felt like these historical fiction stories, um, I wish they were around when I was in school. Because I feel mm-hmm. like now, like all the kids today, like they can pick up these books and be like, when did the, the Titanic sink? Oh, 1920. Because right. I've read this book. I, my history was so bland and so boring. We didn't have graphic novels like this to really like illustrate past events and I just think it's amazing that Lauren Tarshis has done this not just with her book series but now with these graphic novels so I would highly recommend her latest adaptation I Survived the Sinking of the Titanic 1912. So my last selection for um, the year 2020 is a my middle grade selection for the year which is The Barren Grounds by Winnipeg Cree author David Robertson uh, this book is up for the Silver Birch in 2021. Leanna, I know you're part of the, the committee, so you're fully aware of how wonderful this story is. Um, yeah. I read a little bit about David Robertson. Like, he's written something like 20 plus novels since 2009. And I'm like, wow, like, it just blows my mind. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I will confess, I've never read anything by David Robertson before. But that being said, I will certainly, I definitely want to read more by him. This book was fantastic. Uh, if you're a fan of Narnia or anything fantasy, Wizard of Oz, Alice in Wonderland, all those sort of um, fantasy novels, this book is perfect for you. It's like Indigenous folk tales meets Narnia in this perfect middle grade fantasy story. Um, the two main characters in the book are Morgan and Eli. Morgan is a 13 year old girl and Eli is a 12 year old boy and they are in foster care together in a home in Winnipeg. I love that it's a Canadian book that I've chosen too, by the way, because it's not often that I... Sadly, I have to say that I don't read Canadian often, or I do and I don't know it, but maybe. But so anyway, Morgan and Eli are in this home. Um, Morgan likes to escape into her fantasy novels. She's a fan of like books like Narnia. Um, And Eli loves to escape into his sketchbook where he draws all kinds of beautiful things. Morgan has been in the foster system since she was three years old. So she really doesn't remember anything but, um, and Eli is new to being part of a foster family. Um, and they're battling with 
that and trying to deal with uh, what it all means for them. They are Indigenous children. And so in this new foster home that they're in, the couple that they're with are younger couple who are really trying their best to make them feel wanted and welcome in their home. Um, and they often, Morgan has found that she can escape to the attic, but while she's up there with Eli, she finds a hidden door that's hidden through layers and layers of paint. So they cut their way through and Eli has drawn this beautiful image. They post it on the wall in this secret hideout and suddenly a portal to another world is opened. I'm not going to go any further than that because you have to read the book to, to be a part of the adventure that they become a part of. Um, this is the first book in the series. Um, there will be more. The other book is scheduled to come out, I believe, uh, in the fall of 2021. I think it's September I read. It was amazing. I have to confess, I have never in my life read Narnia. I know that's bad. I'm not a fantasy person. I don't really, I'm just not into the fantasy stuff. Maybe now that I'm older, I would be, but when I was younger, it just never appealed to me. So that's my little confession for you there. Um, as a children's person, I should probably read more fantasy, but anyway, this was amazing. I loved it. I can't wait to get my hands on the next book to see what happens. Um, yeah, it was great. Pick it up. The Barren Grounds by David Robertson. It's up for Silver Birch. I really, truly hope it wins. It was fantastic. So, so good. That's my middle grade pick for 2020. I, I will co-sign on that recommendation. Okay. There we go. 100%. I was involved in its selection for Silver. I think I can say that now that it's our, everything is our, yeah. there's no secrets, but yes, it is an excellent book and I loved it. And I'm not a fantasy reader, but I also don't live under a rock. So I've read Lion, the Witch, and the So that we should do an episode yes. on, on all the classics that we feel I haven't read because I, I am, I feel like there's a handful that I haven't. So you might be able to come up with something. There we go. Future podcasts. There we go. That's a great recommendation. It is a good, I'm, I'm thrilled that you offered some Canadian content to books because I feel like I always, I always miss the mark. So I'm going to have to get, I'm going to have to, I'm conscious of that. So I will try to do better Canada. (laughs) Well, so my last <laughs> selection is Maria Scriven's Nat Enough. And this is a contemporary middle grade book recommended to kids eight to 12. It's about the struggles of friendship and self-discovery. This is the first in a new series. Her follow-up was released this September. So both of them came out this year. So I'm just going to talk about the first one. And here's the setup and some facts about Nat. Nat is an only child. She loves to play with her dog named Treat and cat named Cat ride her bike, and express herself creatively through drawing and writing. What Nat loves most, though, her best friend Lily. When Lily moves to another part of the city, their friendship slowly and painfully begins to fade. Despite feeling ignored by Lily, Nat believes entering middle school will be the fresh start that the two need to rekindle their lost friendship. Unfortunately for Nat, Lily's new social circle in middle school doesn't include her former best friend. Nat is not cool enough to fit in with this new crowd. This treatment, at times bullying, forces Nat to reevaluate who she is and determine the values she wishes to possess in order to be enough for herself. Friendships may fade, but social challenges in school will always exist. Nat Enough shines a light on these struggles by highlighting all the ways kids can rise above them. Despite covering some heavy themes, including abandonment and bullying, Scriven keeps the story light and extremely funny. 
Adorable and bright illustrations balance these themes and the inclusion of a lovable comedy duo, Nat's cat and dog, honestly, my favorite part of the whole book, (laughs) Sir Cat and Dog. They introduce each chapter with a joke, which had me laughing out loud. Nat Enough is a wonderful depiction of how tweens can struggle with their self-esteem and suffer great loss, but still go on. Nat refuses to wallow, but instead focuses on the future. She makes new friends and forces herself out of her comfort zone to participate in new activities, including the school musical. This is a genuinely funny graphic novel about an awkward kid trying to find her way through the perils of middle school. The story is believable and realistic and will likely resonate with our young readers. So this is my, if you like Smile and all of Raina Telgemeier's books, read Maria. I feel in some ways Maria Scriven deserves the popularity of Raina. Like she, this is my go-to for everyone who asks me, whether it's parents, whether it's kids for books like Smile and Sisters and Guts, which are fantastic reads. I think I was watching a webinar recently and I think Guts was like, the most popular book when it was released last year in the United States, not graphic novel, the actual book. She's right. popular, but not enough. Um, Maria Scriven's not enough. It's just, it's on par. It's just as good. It's just as amazing. Um, I think it, I don't know. I just, it really, it really affected me. I loved it. My daughter loved it. My 10 year old daughter loved it. I gifted it to my niece. Like it, it's a great graphic novel. One of my favorites of 2020, um, and that's Maria Scriven's Not Enough. So that's it for this month. Happy New Year, 2021. 2021. Happy New Year. We will be back with some of our favorite Canadian picks next month. Yeah. Happy New Year. Thanks so much for listening today. We hope we've introduced you to some new authors and children's titles. All the books discussed today are available in print and digital format on either Overdrive, Cloud Library or Hoopla, please visit brantfordlibrary.ca for more information about this podcast and other fantastic programs the library has to offer. Thanks. Bye-bye. Juicebox Book Talks is a Brantford Public Library podcast developed by Leanna Flumiani, that's me, and me, Laura Virag. Edited by Zila Ozol. Music provided by Purple Planet through purple-planet.com. 